Since Russia invaded Ukraine on the 24th of February this year, on Sunday Extra, we've spoken twice with Dr. Yevgenia Alberts, editor and CEO of independent Russian publication The New Times. In those conversations, we discussed not just the state of the war and Russian politics, but also the escalating threats that independent journalists like Yevgenia faced for trying to do their important work. Well, in the last week of August 2022, Yevgenia Alberts made the no doubt heartbreaking decision that she had to leave Russia. Marking her arrival in the US, American public radio station NPR described Yevgenia as the grand dame of Russia's independent media. And as well as that well-deserved informal title, she also now has the equally deserved title of Distinguished Journalist in Residence at NYU's Jordan Centre for the Advanced Study of Russia. Yevgenia Alberts, welcome back to Sunday Extra. Thank you so much for inviting me back. You've said that what led to your decision to leave Russia was the four administrative cases against you being labelled a foreign agent and it becoming clear to you that your arrest was imminent. How did it feel to make the decision to leave Russia? It was very sad. I really didn't want to leave because so many of my fellow colleagues left and I felt like somebody had to stay and report from Russia. I also felt that it was sort of betrayal of my audience as uh, millions of Russians who used to listen to my show. You know, they don't have the option I had. They don't have, you know, possibility just, you know, to buy a ticket and go to the United States. I can get visa. They don't. I can get job here, and they cannot. The absolute majority of them cannot. And even though many of them wrote to me afterwards that they were so happy to find out, you know, that I'm safe now. But still, you know, it's one thing when you share the situation. You, you, you know, you wear the same shoes as your audience. And it's totally different when people who listen to my shows they are in danger and I'm safe. Given your family's particular history, was the tag of foreign agent particularly hard to swallow and close to the last straw for you? You know, I was, I was disgusted, to be honest with you. My grandfather, Mark Alberts, was pronounced an enemy of the people and he was shot via firing squad. You know, he was... Just 37 year olds, you know, in fact, last year I was reading his rehabilitation file in Moscow and I was looking whether there was any argument that allowed investigators back in 1937 to sentence him to death. And apparently there was none, just none, not even manufactured evidence, just nothing. I know the same is true in my case. You know, I'm not a foreign agent. I didn't receive any money from any foreigners. I made money. I paid service to my employees out of uh, the money that I made on YouTube. So I really felt absolutely disgusted, offended. You know, I just felt like, you know, I cannot deal with these guys anymore. Mm -hmm. Since you left, obviously, in recent days, we've seen the staged referendums in four regions of Ukraine, and now Russia has formally annexed those parts of Ukraine. What's your reaction to those developments? I believe it is a very, very sad day for my country. Basically, Putin is leading current Russia to its destruction. I believe that 
Putin also signed himself to capital punishment, whether it was going to happen via some judgment or by some coup d'etat. Putin signed annexation of four regions of Ukraine. It is 15% of Ukrainian territory. However, the fact is that he doesn't have control even military over these regions of Ukraine. Just as, you know, he was preparing this ceremony in Moscow, Ukrainian military took over Liman. It is northern part of Donetsk region, one of those regions that Putin pronounced the next today. There is another region, Kherson. Kherson is surrounded by the Ukrainian military troops. Sooner or later, you know, if Ukrainian military are going to free Kherson from the occupation. So it is all lie. But Putin is fighting for his survival, survival as a human being, for his survival as leader of Russia. You know, a lot of people from his closest entourage, they were expecting him to deliver this imaginary victory. So they could say, I don't know to whom, to their wives, to their kids, that Russia is back again an empire. Why Russia's empire? Because that's what Russians tend to think, that without Ukraine, Russian empire does not exist. So they were expecting Putin to deliver them Ukraine. Putin is losing the war as we speak. So he had to do something to bring to all these hawks around him this victory that, you know, he annexed 15% of Ukrainian territory. Of course, it's all fake. Of course, it's all fake. Probably, you know, some people are brainwashed by the Russian propaganda machine. They start to believe that Russia got a victory since, you know, it managed to occupy 50% of Ukrainian territory. But in a real reality, Russia lost the war. Putin, he's losing the war as we speak. And he is creating this totally fake ceremony to produce some image of a victory. Because, you know, he controls information flow and he controls narrative. But of course, you know, for the rest of the world, he didn't win anything. No one country is going to recognize Russians, so to say, rights on these foreign lands. Finally, I would bring attention of your listeners to the fact that Russian Federation is a member of the Security Council. Security Council of the United Nations is responsible for peaceful resolution of conflicts existed on our planet. However, the same country which sits on the Security Council of the United Nations, you know, is conducting a war of attrition, a war of choice, aggressive war against its neighbor. 21st century, for God's sake, Russian Federation is fighting the war in order to occupy lands in the neighboring country. Doesn't sound to you like something from the, you know, Middle Ages? Yes. On Sunday Extra, we are speaking with Dr. Yevgenia Alberts, editor and CEO of The New Times, and now distinguished journalist in residence at NYU's Jordan Center for the Advanced Study of Russia. Yevgenia, what is your sense of how widespread sentiment against what Vladimir Putin described as the partial mobilization is? 
of course, you know, we don't have any correct data or data we can rely on. However, what we know that more than 200,000 people, predominantly male, cross the border of the Russian Federation to the neighboring countries. So it is to say Russian people, they work with the state against mobilization. It's not partial mobilization. They take whoever they can. Because, of course, you know, it's not a lie. Partial mobilization. You know, they're supposed to, to mobilize those age 18, 55 with some military experience. However, they mobilize whoever they can catch. Basically, it's a hunting game on the part of the Russian authorities. And, you know, and Russian people, you know, as predominantly young male, they're just running away. And Yevgenia... To what extent do you think the sentiment against mobilisation and being deployed to the war is also anti-Putin sentiment? It will translate into Putin sentiment. Right now, people are afraid. People don't want to become killers, and therefore they run. However, when they find that you know they are separated from their families, from their kids, from their wives... You know, they will start to ask themselves questions. Why did I have to leave my family? So it will happen. You know, when you have a dictator who is in power for 22 years, you know, it's like old shoes. You're getting accustomed to the slippers, something that never changes. For some people in Russia, Putin is something like these old slippers. They're afraid of change. They're afraid of challenges. They feel like, okay, you know, he's son of a bitch, but probably, you know, another, the one who will come after him will be even worse. Of course, you know, sooner or later, people are going to realize that Putin destroyed their lives. But what's worse, sooner or later, they realize that Putin destroyed two countries, Russia and Ukraine. He impeded lives of 190 million people, 145 million Russians, and uh, 44 plus million Ukrainians. And they will turn to something more truthful than Russian TV networks. And they will find out that, in fact, you know, what they were told was total lie. So they're going to lose their sympathy to Putin in a hard way. In a way, it's very much like it was in Germany. In 1945, uh, Germans, you know, nation of Bach and Beethoven and famous scientists like Einstein and famous writers like Mann, you know, they turned into the nation of cowards, the nation which was unable to see right from wrong. And it took 10 million dead Germans and destruction of the entire Europe for German people to understand that they invested their hopes in a guy who was a killer, a murderer, you know, and who destroyed Germany and so unfortunately, it's going to happen with Russians in a similar hard way as well. Yes, because Vladimir Putin's dominated the Russian state apparatus for so long, it's really hard to predict how an end to his rule might occur. Do you have a sense of any possibility of an end to Putin's regime that isn't as, as dark and bloody as you've foreshadowed? You know, of course I don't. And, you know, I'm not good in reading the crystal ball. However, you know, we go by comparison. And we know the way this type of regimes collapsed in many countries across the globe, especially in Latin America and Asia and Southern Africa. So we do know that usually these dictators uh, fall victims to their own close entourage. Usually, you know, palace cook, coup d'etat, whatever you name it. I think, you know, the same is going to happen to Putin. 
those people who expected him to deliver them, you know, Ukraine and to deliver them victory and this notion of Russia becoming great Russian empire once again, they probably feel very disillusioned now. They lost millions and billions of dollars. And sooner or later, they, they are going to say, you know, God, you know, we don't need this guy because if we want to get rid of sanctions, if we want to get back any of our property, whether it's in the United States or in Europe, and whether we want to get our bank accounts unfrozen, uh, you know, the first step to that is to get rid of Putin. And that's exactly a kind of logic that was true for the faith of quite a few dictators across the globe. There is nothing special about Putin. There is nothing special about Russian and Russian authoritarian politics. It happened time and again in different parts of the world. So I don't think that there will be something you know, extraordinary in that respect. Besides, don't forget that Putin, you know, talked off all the lines, you know, at least at the beginning of this awful war, he sort of relied on the help of Turkey and, you know, Kazakhstan and China and India. And now uh, you look around and you see that Chairman Xi has been quite skeptical about this war. Prime Minister Modi of India told Putin right up front that 21st century was not designed for that type of war. Turkey's Erdogan is very upset because, you know, he was dreaming to become a peacemaker. It looks like Turkey is not going to support Putin anymore. And basically, Putin has allies. His only allies left are North Korea, Iran, because Russia is buying drones from Iran and artillery from North Korea, and probably Myanmar. That's it. Wow, what a great success, isn't it? Dr. Yevgenia Alberts, thank you so much for joining us again on Sunday Extra. Thank you very much. And uh, Yevgenia is a distinguished journalist in residence at NYU's Jordan Center for the Advanced Study of Russia. And while it's good to know that you're now safe in your residence, Yevgenia, we hope for your sake and for your country's sake that it is a temporary residence. Thank you once again. Thank you. Getting in touch with ABCRN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.